Oh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 154 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell, joined, as always, by Riley McConnell, and we are live. We're live on Twitter. We are live on Facebook for the first time, so if you do not follow us there, please go do so. Buds and Blue Jays on all your social media platforms and anywhere you can find your podcast. You can find our show, Buds and Blue Jays. Please make sure to download, subscribe, five-star review, all that fun stuff. We have a big episode here today. The Blue Jays have filed their arbitration numbers, and we're going to go get into that, what it means. And we did not reach agreement with one certain superstar on the Toronto Blue Jays. So we will dive into that and discuss what that means for this team going forward. Plus, we're going to do some talks about the renovations. We've got some more off-season rumors, some off-season buzz, and we have a lot of fun games we're going to play in the second half of our show today. So make sure you stick along to that. But Riley, we're in the middle of January here in Canada. A lot of cold stuff, a lot of snow on the ground, but we're still thinking about baseball over on our side of the internet. How are you, man? What's going on? Uh, Jesse, I constantly, constantly, constantly think about baseball, man. In fact, <laughs> same. <laughs> I didn't tell you this. I was watching you, uh, YouTube, uh, before we went on here and I was actually for the first time came across Moneyball deleted scenes. So that was, fun. that was fun for me. i some of them were not very good. I'm glad they did, uh, not make the final cut for the movie. A little bit of a mixed <laughs> bag. Like you said, Jesse, um, it's we're in Canada. It's January. Like the Jays are not making a ton of moves. Uh, we try and make our own news here. I mean, there's there's limited things we can talk about. We're optimistic there is more to come. Like there has to be at this point. And you know, with arbitration, whether players you know signed a deal or could not reach an agreement, like there are still moves that are going to be made. Um, you know, with inside the organization or outside of the organization. So. I mean, there'll be more to talk about. Sadly, Jesse, Mm -hmm. like the ball started moving as soon as Shohei went to Los Angeles and the Jays had a chance to, you know, bounce back and and make a little bit of a splash after that, which they have definitely not. We talked about it last episode. Ross Atkins, you know, was kind of said, we're going to take one more guy and to me, that was like, that's that's not enough. I get that the guys we have at our clubhouse are good ball players, mm-hmm. But, you know, we showed our hand in that you wanted to sign Shohei. So we, you know, we can roster a championship team. And I mean, sadly to say, man, like we're, we're not there at this point. At this point in the offseason, we cannot say that we're in. We're not going to win the AL East with the roster that we currently have unless guys have monster years. Yeah, and it's tough to bank on. Um, For what it's worth, though, we're kind of preaching patience, right, is what we want. Um, A lot of the available free agents are Scott Boris clients. Scott Boris clients typically wait till later in the offseason. And I think the Blue Jays are kind of waiting until we get closer to spring training when players start getting worried about where are my kids going to go to school, where am I going to live for the summer, all that stuff, and maybe the asking price comes down a little bit. I bet that's what the Toronto Blue Jays are kind of hoping on here. But for us as fans, Riley, it's stressful. I hate that we're at this point in January and the big biggest thing we've done this offseason is pick up Chad Green's options and sign Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Like, I am not thrilled by that. And we as fans and as content creators obviously want more. But patience. The big moves are coming. Yeah. I w- hey, Jesse, I would love to think so. I, I probably have a little less faith in our front office than I did. I don't hold them in the highest of regards. I think it's a tough job to have. And you're staring down the barrel of, of a gun as far as like us as fans, man, like the, the eyes are on you. And I mean, if we start, you know, if we start next season with 
kind of the roster we have right now, I mean, there are going to be a lot of jeers coming from Blue Jays fans. All right. Well, let's get into the stuff on the field that has happened a little bit. And we have some kind of breaking news a little bit, um, something we knew that was happening, but it's happened here now. And that's the Blue Jays are going to arbitration. We've come to the following contracts with 11 players on 2024 contracts. Those players are Kevin Biggio, Genesis Cabrera, Santiago Espinal, Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, Tim Meza, Nate Pearson, Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson, and Dalton Varsho. Every single one of those players was already under team control. It's just the salary that they were going to make for this season was yet to be decided. Um, MLB Trade Rumors did a pretty good job of projecting the salaries for all these. And the Blue Jays were pretty close in those salaries. I think they went about 3% more than what MLB Trade Rumors expected. But all in the right ballpark, it's pretty much there. This doesn't affect how much money really the Blue Jays have for the rest of the offseason and all that stuff. But Riley, you will notice there is one notable arbitration-eligible player that is not on this list that have come to terms with um, the team so far. And that is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Riley, which means the Blue Jays are going to go to arbitration with with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And um, I don't like the arbitration process. I think it's stupid. There have been some Blue Jays players in the past that have uh, really gotten bothered by the arbitration process. But what are your first thoughts here, Riley, knowing that the Blue Jays and Vlad are going to an arbitration hearing? Uh, Jesse, it's not a good look first and foremost, man. I mean, it just shows you how far apart that, uh, management is and Vladdy's side. Uh, like he's supposed to come into, you know, he came in here when he first started his career as a potential superstar, a potential hall of famer, if you want to go that Mm -hmm. far. And I mean, I feel like, you know, players aren't necessarily just given respect based off their potential and pedigree. And I'm not saying in, in any means he has, you know, earned uh, a free ride with the Blue Jays. But, um, I mean, he certainly had he certainly had a setback the last couple of years and compared to his runner-up MVP year. And uh, I'm sure that's kind of what Vladdy's side is arguing. And I'm sure that he's going to have a couple bounce-back years. But kind of goes to show you that, you know, the Jays don't really value him that high. And, of course, it's, hey, I get it. You're trying to save a buck. And Vladdy yeah, is yeah, they're a business, not, right? And he's looking at himself still as the premier first baseman in Major League Baseball. And I get yeah. that too. But I like then hey, I like the most recent, you know, as far as you know, mean, median, and mode, as far as your averages across, you know, four seasons. Like I I'm going with one, like I like recent stuff. And you know, he has taken a pretty hefty step back. Um, as far as his power numbers go. So, I mean, I can understand if he's not being offered what he thinks he's valued or his agent and in, in his party there. But it's it's unfortunate that they are separated by whatever amount uh, because it, I feel like it just doesn't look good. He's supposed to be kind of the cover athlete for the Blue Jays, if you will. And, mm-hmm. you know, if there's any kind of animosity and disagreement, like I just feel like it's not good for uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s psyche. And it just it adds more pressure to the situation. Uh, we're, we're already in a little bit of trouble as of right now. And now our star player is kind of, you know, in conflict with the management, so to speak. You know, you're not going mm-hmm. to war. You're not going to war trying to find numbers for a one year contract. But at the same time, you are. He's trying to get the best deal. Management's trying to get the best deal. So it's just kind of unfortunate that it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because like I said, obviously, like. If you want to call him the, you know, the cover boy for us, he kind of is the face of the Blue Jays in a way. 
Um, I feel like, you know, he probably has the most Jersey sales. Um, yeah, you know, I'm he, wearing he, a Jersey right now for what it's you worth. Could use, you, <laughs> you could use that as an argument, but uh, yeah, it, I, I mean, it's just kind of too bad. So sad. And uh, yeah. they will, they listen, he's going to remain a blue Jay and you just hope yep. that it can get sorted out quickly and as painlessly as possible. And then we could move on and that he's, you know, it doesn't affect him on the field, which it shouldn't. And I don't think it will. Yeah, this is going to go either one of two ways for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Either it's going to go the way you said. They're going to go to a hearing. The Blue Jays are going to make their pitch on why they think he's not worth the money that he wants. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to make his sales of why he is worth that money. Or, and I think this might be the more likely, I guess there's two, two more scenarios this could go. One, the Blue Jays and Vlad are working on a massive contract extension. I doubt that. I feel like if you were going to sign Vlad to a big extension, you would have done it already maybe they're trying to buy low after you had a down year and you can shed some money off the length of that salary while still keeping the massive upside. But I think what is most likely going to happen here is kind of what the Blue Jays did with Bo Bichette last season. Remember, they just bought out some of his RB years. They gave him that three-year kind of 60-ish million dollar contract with uh, escalators along the way to determine based on performance values and stuff. So I bet you... The Blue Jays are probably working on a plan like that where they can try to be like, hey, Vlad, if you hit 40 home runs this season, you'll get an extra contract boost and whatever. And um, a bonus if they buy out an extra year of free agency from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But I don't think his side is going to agree to that. So we will see. I'm still waiting for news to come off if or to see what side the Blue Jays have filed at versus the what side that uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s camp has filed at. But we're not getting anything about that yet. So uh, stay tuned. Maybe it's a little spoiler later in the episode. Yeah, it... Man, I just hope it goes. I just hope it goes over well because it's not something yeah. that needs to be hung out in the air for for too long. It's not. It's it's not a good look for the Blue Jays, especially from you know kind of the lackadaisicalness and I won't say carelessness of the front office because there's obviously some plan in place. Whether it's the right plan, the plan we like, uh, just too bad mm-hmm. they couldn't come to terms today. Yeah, and we'll see. I remember Marcus Stroman has um, been, uh, he went to arbitration in the past and he didn't like hearing the things. Like, no one wants to hear your boss go to your job and tell you how bad you are. Like, I don't think any of us want our bosses here at Buds and Blue Jays to come down on us and be like, Riley, subpar podcast today, man. You really didn't have it. And, you know, no one wants to hear that, even if we're going out and doing a good job. So, uh, I understand it, and we'll see how it goes from here. I remember in the Alex Anthopoulos era with the Toronto Blue Jays, he made a point to make sure none of his players got to arbitration because it's hard to tell a player, hey, you're bad, you kind of suck, we don't think you're worth the money, but also, please, can you go out on the diamond and can you perform at a high level and be the very best you can? It's it's kind of hard to put those two worlds together, and um, I think any way the Blue Jays can avoid going into that hearing is a good way for us. Company versus union. Isn't that just, it's, it's, Hey man, it happens I mean, everywhere. It's doesn't a it? job. Baseball players. It's their job. It's their career. It's just, it's like any other job, except you're playing in front of 30,000 people. Like I, I get it, but they're making, you know, they're making very, very good money for what they do. I mean, I love baseball 162 games in a year. It really mm-hmm. does matter. And you know, maybe a little more cash will, indri- you know, drive a little incentive into the player. But at the same time, it doesn't matter what the guy, like if a guy gets 2 million versus 6 million, you got to go out there and bust it uh, on the diamond just the same. All right. Well, that's, that's enough financial talk for me. We've talked money all off season. The Blue Jays have a ton of it. Put some in the players' hands, whatever, yada, yada, yada. I want to go on to something more of the on-field fun, Riley. And the Blue Jays have announced their schedule for the 2024 season, including start times. And I'll throw it up on screen here 
in just a second. Um, but it's all what you expect. We start the season on a very big road trip where we're going to go into three cities. We're going to go to Tampa Bay, Houston, and the New York Yankees before returning for the home opener, which would be on uh, Monday the 8th, which I am planning to be at this year. All the usual stuff applies, Riley. We still have the 3.07 home start times, and we still have the 1.37 start times on Sunday, and 7.07 start times pretty much across the board everywhere else. Is there anything on the schedule that catches your attention? or? Yeah, yeah I'm going to say it right off the bat. Who the who the heck did we tick off uh, to get that first nine games to look like that? That is a tough, tough first nine games of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, yeah, ten ten games. I, I mean, four in the trop, and then you go over to Minute Maid, and then uh, Yankee Stadium for three. That's a that's a tough way to start the season, and then go home to play Seattle. Who hey. Like we were at a terrible, the worst game in, in Blue Jays history at home against Seattle. Don't I remind mean, like, me, Riley. I, I got like on TV that day. <laughs> I, you were, you, you still are kind of a meme for that. I, I'll <laughs> never let that die. Like that is a tough, tough start to the schedule. Like if, like, I hope that we, um, you know, basically then, you know, when we get to spring training, Jesse and I'll always preach, you know, the top players who have already made the team play hard, but don't, play carelessly and get hurt. Like we need a healthy team going into 2024, especially with the start of the schedule looking like that, man. And I mean, we got the, Yan- we got the Yankees, you know, basically a week and a half later and we still, then we going to cut on the road for, for six more games. So it's a very, I would say that's a very, very, you know, tough April to start the year. And then going on, going on to the season, I mean, it's still, you know, it, uh, introduced, I think last year or the year before where you play every team. I, I mm-hmm. like it actually quite a bit. Um, it kind of, you know, shows if you look at the final standings at the end of this year, I'm sure how good the American league East is. It's tough to have great records when the Red Sox and Orioles and the Blue Jays and everyone is just beating up on each other. You know, now the AL East can just beat up on kind of the weaker teams. And, you know, i it, it's always a dogfight, man. I like it. I think it's good for the Blue Jays that they went to the scheduling. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pick apart, you know, series by series. But, honestly, uh, we got to <laughs> – Well, we, we can. <laughs> no, we, we talked about this. If we have so much time on our hands, Jesse and I will go through a full 162-game sim mode where we just look at projected <laughs> starters and just guess scores. Um, we, man, we're going to have to start the season – off really really sharp or we're gonna fall behind and fall behind in a hurry yeah some of the things i've noticed here on the schedule to pay attention to is i like that our first well i hate that we have to play in the tropic tropicana but um we finished spring training in florida and then we actually get to just remain in florida to play that first series in tampa so there's not a lot of big shuttling we don't have to get low with the flights or anything to go north um i've also noticed in some month of September, we only play Tampa and the Red Sox each for three games. There is a lot of outside the division games down the stretch in the month of September there. And therefore, our games we do play against Tampa, against Boston, against Baltimore. Um, we're going to really have to take advantage of those games. Like the Blue Jays cannot struggle in the AL East like they did quite a bit last year. The Blue Jays are really going to need to play well. And they're going to need to play well early this year if they really want to have a chance at winning the division. So like that opening four game series against Tampa Bay, they probably are going to have to split, if not win three out of four, if they really want to prove they're serious um, about trying to win an AL East championship this year. Other than that, Riley, I don't see any egregious flights going from, I guess, LA to Chicago was a tough one. Maybe from Boston to Minnesota. 
but nothing I too think, crazy. I They've think, you know, job in terms of schedule. I, Jesse, I'm looking at, July, I think July is a very important month month for us. The four games um, against Houston. Houston's a tough team in any ballpark. They will always be contenders no matter what. And then those nine kind of games, San Francisco, Arizona, those nine games leading up to the all-star break on the road. Like, yeah, the, we're going to need that all-star break after those nine games. That's a good stretch of the year. And to finish nine games, like, I don't know if Vladdy's going to be in the home run derby or Jansen's going to be in the home run derby this year or whatever. <laughs> like, I'd be okay with guys not going into the derby this year and taking that rest off because that's – they're, they're going to be – I mean, by that point in the year, man, it's, it's definitely – you know, I've seen team-friendlier schedules, especially leading up and after the all-star break. The nine games on the road on the West Coast, at least we're in the same time zone kind of thing, and we can adjust to that. I think that's very important too. But, I mean, we're going to need the time off after those nine games on the road. And Houston for four games, man, there's a lot of teams that I'm just scared to play against. You know, the the Rays in Tropicana are certainly one. Um, Mm -hmm. And and Houston, man, I, I don't know what it is. I know that they're, you know, a different team than they were. But they're still, you know, scary as anything, man. I mean, Jordan Alvarez has not had his best year in Major League Baseball yet. Altuve yeah, can still, still put up. Yep. Altuve can still put up numbers, and their pitching staff, um, you know, they don't have Justin Verlander. They don't have Garrett Cole. Sure, they've managed to get other guys. They still have Verlander. He's still there. Well, he's he's not the same Verlander, but yeah. they they're still just as tremendous as they were in, you know, their, you know, 2017 cheaters, whatever scandal their pitchers, pitchers weren't cheating though. So I can say that the offense was, but their their pitchers are still something else. Big thing to note too, from May 31st to the all-star break, the Jays only have three days off and they're, they come within a week of each other. Two of them do. So note that that'll be a busy time. The Blue Jays are going to be tired. They might need to call up that bullpen shuttle up from Buffalo to get some more players up in there. Um, Some other minor notes, um, Riley. What if I told you that Davis Schneider would be in the Hall of Fame? What would your thoughts be on that? I'd say a little early, isn't it? (laughs) It is a little early. (laughs) However, the um, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame has taken Davis Schneider's uniform from that hot start he had in Fenway and has put it into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. So if you're ever in St. Mary's, Ontario, and you're like, boy, this place is not complete until we get some Davis Schneider in here. Well, now we have it. So congratulations to Davis Schneider and your uh, momentous hot streak you had to begin a career. You are now enraged in the uh, Canadian Hall of Fame. So congrats to you. They, uh, that's great and everything, but they must be running out of Fergie Jenkins baseballs or something to be to <laughs> doing right. that. I, hey, it's a stretch. I get it. Um, we had, it's a start. I mean, I hope that doesn't go to his head because he's got so much more to prove for any Hall of Fame. It is technically the best start in, you know, professional baseball yeah, yeah. history in his first how many at-bats. That's impressive, but Hasn't really done the team too much. You know, it was a nice little feel-good moment at the time, but you'd like to see those turn into wins and, you know, uh, championship banners and commissioner's awards and whatever. Riley, if you could put any of your baseball-related items into the Hall of Fame, what would you put? Oh, probably I um, I scored a winning run in a, in a Lynx game, and I, I jammed my finger – and I was, this is before I, I was an idiot and I ran with a batting glove on later in my career. I would ran, run with them closed fisted. I ran yeah, with, yeah. I, I basically, I jammed my, uh, my ring finger on my left hand into home plate to score the winning run. And, um, and I went to the hospital cause I really 
goofed up my finger, but I guess that batting glove, my left hand batting glove, is a okay. It's a cool one. I hey, I, it's a hard. That's a hard question to ask. I don't know, man. That was that's one cool moment via like a piece of equipment that made it happen. I guess. Okay, I like that. I like that. That's a good one. Um, mine would probably be the top of my head. Maybe my first baseball bat I ever broke. That was a good one. Um, I don't know. I'd have to really think about that. I'll come back to that one at the end of the episode here. Um, Riley, we do not have a ton of content here. There is a lot going on. So I thought we could kind of get a little creative in this offseason here. And let's talk about the Rogers Center. First, I want to talk about the renovations that are going on. And I will show a picture here on the screen if you are watching for us on YouTube. But basically, um, you can see how the renovations are coming along here. You can see they've kind of dug out some spaces. It looks basically like just the pavement in on the dirt and whatnot and the seats are all there and, and the things but the renovations are happening i'm not exactly certain what plans are for stage two of the renovations here and see what they want to go on but the stuff is doing work riley and it seems like roger center is going to look a little different this year this brought to my attention then if the blue jays really should change some things outside of the stadium like it doesn't really feel like the true ballpark experience it kind of feels like you're just walking downtown toronto and then you stumble into this big you know, white dome and then all of a sudden it's like okay yeah there's a baseball game being played here this is cool but outside of the stadium there isn't really a lot of cool baseball related events going on so i was thinking riley if you were in charge of rearranging downtown toronto to make it feel more of a baseball zone what would you do so First of all, I mean, hey, it's Toronto. It's a it's a big city. It's you're not gonna you can't just implement and and um and put things just willy nilly. Of, of course. So I'm Let's gonna say look. At, I'm gonna okay. I was gonna look at this more like a civil engineer and architect kind of mm. deal. Like so around the ball. One thing I love about the Rogers Center, and I said this before the show about kind of things you do outside the ballpark. You like to go to the you know, the craft breweries and, and, and get one of those things and, and whatever you people do. I personally love to go and get the first thing I do as soon as I spy a cart is I'm going to get a hot dog. There's yeah, enough hot dog me, carts. Eh? In, in, oh, gotta be. And never buy the cheap hats outside. I know the cheap hats are, are you know, they're not the real new era type, type hats. Mm-hmm. I guess if anything, like aesthetically, the Rogers Center outside, it's got the one fountain by like gate seven, eight, nine. But like aesthetically, it's not that nice. And it's hard to just yeah. add greenery, shrubbery, you know, outside in the middle of a city. Um, I guess you could put more kind of Blue Jay stuff. What actually would be yeah. a smart move, if I was to put anything, it would be some sort of an awning um, towards okay. the entrance. Because it, um, we all have been there. It's, you know, an hour before the gates open, an hour and a half if it's a good bobblehead. And you want to get into the giveaway, so you come early. But, of course, you know, we got a dome. It closes. Like, they're playing in rain or shine, and we're standing outside of the stadium, rain or shine. Mm-hmm. And sitting and get teamed uh, teamed on by rain for an hour and a half is not fun. So maybe some sort of awning. I'm not saying the whole, you know, the whole outside of the ballpark. Put a, put a roof on downtown Toronto, some, right? <laughs> some, some sort of checkpoint. And, and there's kind of a roof like they have in Canada's Wonderland, the, you know, whatever else. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm more into the inside the ballpark. Like I was saying, right. you go and have a pop before the game and I go and I get a hot dog, but I want to get into that ballpark. I want to catch as, as any second of batting practice. I can, yep. you know, do my lap around the five hundreds or wherever I am. Uh, but I'm, 
I got a hot dog and I got a beer just to save and I'm watching things. But what would be cool is to kind of have activities, not just for kids, but for guys like this, guys like mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. And I love those kind of like it's golf town, but for baseball where the ball okay. shoots out of the ground, you know, you hit it and it's you hit the ball into a projector. And it's, yep. you know, it projects where like you hit it in the left field, 370 feet or whatever, like something like that. Like, or you said, guess your pitch speed. That's pretty cool too. Things like that. Like kind of like interactive fun games are yeah. always the way to go. Yeah. The Blue Jays just need more of a feel outside of a baseball game. Like the electricity is high. It's there. They have all that going on. I just wanted to make it feel more like a baseball thing. And you know what the Blue Jays really honestly actually do need outside of their stadium is we need a trophy of some kind. Like they have the trophy of Ted Rogers sitting there. Uh, Like that's not doing it. We need some like historic Blue Jays moments. Get Joe Carter with his hands up in the air after he hit that home run. Get Dave Steve after he threw his no hitter. Like I went to Pittsburgh last May, Riley, and they have like Honest Wagner statue. They have a Roberto Clemente statue. There is like a different vibe, even in Pittsburgh going through and watching these games than they do and they have um, in Toronto. And I really would like Toronto to get more of a ballpark feel, whether it's playing these games, doing all these things, or having players. The banners are cool. I like that. But I'm not a fan of the aquarium. And like the rec room is okay. But if you want to stand shoulder to shoulder next to someone at St. Louis Bar and Grill, like you can go do that. The Blue Jays should really look at doing more outside of their stadium to really give it a true ballpark feel. And that's what I want to see something more of from the Blue Jays this year. I get it, man. I totally get it. Because you got on one side, it's like, hey, you got a jellyfish statue or you got a Willie, right. Star- a Willie Stargell statue. I mean, right. leading up to it, it's, you know, should be more baseball. You know, actually, and I think the fans and kind of the hype staff, if you want to call them that, I really like the drummer that they have. The drummer's good. I like him, yeah. He, is, he might be the best part of, you know, outside. The street meet and the drummer. Are, are two of my favorite things. I love listening. He's he's he interacts with you. He he's a great drummer, and his kit is you know just like a few pieces. Um, he's a hype man. I like that kind of vibe. But yes, aesthetically, not a ton going on, man. I can only look at the train across the road. You know, I can only glance over at it thirty times while I'm waiting in line. Yeah, and they have the girl that plays the saxophone too on the way to the Skywalk. Like oh, I think uh, yeah. she does a good job there. <laughs> going through there but i don't even think there's a blue jays employees i think they're just panhandlers trying to get some money going through and it's like i really wish you'd see more out of that riley um all right we're moving on to the second half of the episode riley and i thought we could have a little bit of fun um so i'm playing a game here called what are the odds where i'm going to go out and say a sentence and then you're going to tell me some are more likely to happen than others and you're basically going to tell me hey is what the odds are on this but riley before we get into that game i want to start with um a little love to Buck Martinez because Buck Martinez famously, especially as he gets older in age, always has his blunders, right? And I had this thought when we signed Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to the team this year, how many different ways is Buck Martinez going to pronounce Isaiah Kiner-Falefa differently this season? I put the over under at three and a half, Riley. Um, do you think he's going to have four different pronunciations or do you think he's going to nail it? I think he's going to have a couple and I think he'll probably suffer from, you know, how I would say it. If I'm doing it fast, I wouldn't say it's hard to get the name Isaiah out really clean. Yep. I feel like more often than not, I say Isaiah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah kind of kind of falafa falafa. Like I think he'll, he'll know that. I think it'll be little tweak words, but when you got a hyphenated last name, that's double the room for error. 
in a broadcaster's point of view. I mean, Buck isn't that bad, but he's certainly not the best at um, at, at pronouncing every single name. So I'm mm-hmm. going to actually – I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. Okay. You have some faith in Buck Martinez, eh? He oh, was a very – yeah, he was very classic for saying Teoscar Hernandez, not Teoscar Hernandez. He was taking Teoscar and Hernandez and kind of jamming it into one word. And every time I heard Buck Martinez say that, it, it would make me – at first I snickered a little bit, and then I'm like, come on, show the man respect. Say his real name, Buck. Come on. But, That's uh, yeah, hey, I, Jesse, real quick, that is a common thing, and I will do – I'm going to go a little off script here. Jesse, sure, that, yeah. is, that is just a thing we do. I got a quick little story, and us – you know, us – people from Prince Edward County in the way we talk, apparently. There's a word and phrase we say outside. First of all, I didn't realize that people said, we say Balville, like with a yeah. bunch of U's in it. I don't say Balville. There's too right. much mouth going on there. The other one is when you're <laughs> driving down 62 and you go into the no cell phone reception area, we say rock cut. We combine the yes, two sir. words. It's not rock cut. It's rock cut. Since you're combining the two words, it's a short form. Teoscar Nendez, love it. You're just trying to you're just trying to get the point across as quick as okay, you can. Okay, okay. You got to work at a top speed when you're broadcasting. So Buck Martinez is just one of us, is what you're saying, eh? He's, Buck Martinez is just one of the lads. Yes. All right, that's beautiful. Well, this one's see you, Buck Martinez. Uh, shout out, thumbs up from us at Buds and Blue Jays. Keep on keeping on, my guy. All right, Riley, are you ready to get into the game we're gonna play here? Yeah, I I love games. Let's see what's going on. Yeah, buddy. So this is basically pretty simple. I'm going to name a sentence and you're going to tell me what are the chances this is going to come true. Some are going to be much higher than others. And then we can get into details of what we think our thoughts are going for this one. But I want to start with the first one, Riley. We've been talking cautiously about the Toronto Blue Jays all offseason. We still think they're a good team. A lot of projections do think they're a good team. But I think there is more of a bottoming out for this Toronto Blue Jays team than we've had in the years past. So I want you to tell me what are the odds the Toronto Blue Jays do Everything falls out. We become sellers at the trade deadline, and this becomes a disastrous season for the Toronto Blue Jays. What are the odds? I'm going to say out of 10, I'm going to say that is a that we that we become sellers one out of 10. Yeah, like we finish fifth in the division. We are, we're moving Vlad. We're moving Bo at the deadline. Like I'm, what are the I'm, odds? That well, there is a difference that we fall to the bottom of the division. I'm going to say there's a two out of 10. I'm going to say that we actually sell the, the sell guys off is a one out of 10. There's, okay, I think so there's you, a difference that there's false hope, um, okay. and 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 you know we lose out we lose out pretty bad you know early September or whatever the case. But if, for the sake of the question, one out of ten. Okay, I like that one. I think there is more of a chance that this does happen than not. But I still think if you're a betting man, the Blue Jays should be a good team. I think we're probably as things stand right now around that 500 mark or so. But uh, yeah, I'm probably with you. Maybe two out of ten on the odds that that happens there. Jeez, um, it scares the heck out of me when you say doesn't it? when you say Blue Jays and 500 team. I go, man, that's just it's just not good enough, man. It's just not good enough. We got to get some production. All right, carry Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Well, you know what would help getting that production is if we get this, Riley. And I want to know, Riley, what are the odds that we get an MVP season from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year? I'm going to say, based he's due. We'll say he's due. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that there is a. Two out of 10 chance. I know that seems like very low. That's 20%. But if I look at it like it's a graph and you spin the spinner and it lands on the spot, I would say 20%. 
and okay. and that and that twenty percent is um you know basically replicates his his twenty twenty one campaign. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the data, Vladdy still hits the baseball so hard. There were some signs of issues, but if the things we've talked about Vlad from the past, like maybe he fixes that mechanical issue we talked about on our last episode, right? Maybe he gets some money out of the multi-year deal with this whole arbitration thing that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going for. There is a realistic chance Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can still go out there, lead all of baseball in home runs, take this team on his back. It's still in there. I haven't seen any declines with that. Um, I... The more seasons he plays, the more that 2021 season kind of looks like an outlier in his data set. But I do think it's still in there. And yeah, 20% sounds about right. I'm, I want to go higher. My head, my heart I, wants to go higher, but my head I says no. I want to go but, higher yeah. too. I, want, I would love yep. to say 50-50, but I just simply can't, man, based off of recent statistics. All right. 20% sounds good for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but we hope. We get one from that from you this year. Our next one, Riley, one of these four rookies, uh, Ricky Tiedemann, Demino Palogami, or Elvis Martinez, or Addison Barger, will win Rookie of the Year this year. What are the odds that one of that happens? I I so do not like this because these numbers are going to be so low. I would love – I'll say Ricky Tiedemann, and I'll give you I'll give you this. I'll say 2 out of 10. Everyone else is a 1 out of 10 or less. Yeah, it's, it seems unlikely there are going to be some good rookies in the American League. Um, only, I guess, the third base job might have a spot on opening day with the team, too. Everyone else isn't going to be on the team on opening day. Um, so one of them would have to really explode. The odds are very low for this one, Riley. The Blue Jays have only had one rookie of the year in team history. I, I, we got to get another one eventually, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think this one is quite low as well. It's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate. Yeah, the the 2002 uh, rookie of the year. Maybe we'll talk about him um, later on in the episode when I ask you a couple questions <laughs> from my quiz, Jesse. All right, I love that. Um, my next one, Riley, is what are the odds that the Blue Jays have five or more All Stars this season? Ooh, I'm taking I'm taking five All Stars right now. And I'm saying that there, I'm going to say six out of 10, five all-stars because we're going to do a great job to vote them in this year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say six out of 10. And I think five, five or more is, is great, but I think five is a great number. And I will say six out of 10. I think we had four last year and that included Whit Merrifield as one of them. Um, we will see how things go, but uh, yeah, it's possible. But I don't think Springer's getting there. You kind of need one of your one or even two of your starters to get there, and then you need Vlad and Bo, and then maybe like a Jordan Romano type, and that's probably the recipe for how you're going to get your five All Stars for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Um, Riley, my next one: uh, What are the odds that someone other than Jordan Romano leads the Blue Jays in saves this year? One, one out of ten, and I say that in confidence. In our previous episode we discussed guys who could be having a step back and yeah. that could be Jordan Romano, but I do not believe that his role um, as the closer will change. I think, I think I don't want, nothing is set in stone, but I think if there's almost one certainty uh, from the bullpen side, it's that Jordan Romano has got the ninth. It's going to have to take a whirlwind, his season being thrown upside down very early on for this to change. And then it comes down to, well, who do you put the faith in? And that's so yet to be determined. Like, what is Chad Green going to do? Uh, what can Swanson be this year? Uh, like, there's just there's just so much going on with that. I got to say, one out of ten, 
in hopes that, you know, that um, basically huge failure, that would what it would be if he gets, uh, you know, if he does not lead the team in saves, something has gone horribly wrong with Jordan Romano's yeah. season. Say he struggles right off the hop, like that opening series, that opening road trip, Jordan Romano struggles quite frequently. How many blown saves do you think it would have to take oh. for him to lose his job? I think so. Let's take 10 appearances. Like I would say, I would say if he has five blown saves over, over 10 appearances, like I think, uh, I think that's the bottom line right there is if you're blowing 50% of your games. Yeah, and I still think even if he's not as good as he was last year, it's going to take more than that for uh, Jordan Romano to lose tough. his job. And, that's and, that's, and that warrants that we have another, you know, setup guy that's pitching really well that's going to yeah. take take on that role because there's no there's no sense in taking Romano out of that role if no one can step up and pitch as well as what we think Jordan Romano yep. can be as our closer. So Nate Pearson, I guess, is what you're saying. I I, I guess Nate, <laughs> I guess I guess put Nate Pearson down for 21 saves this year. He won't have as much as Romano, who will have 24. But watch Nate Pearson chalk him up this year. Okay, I love that. I would love to see that. Um, we are also hoping for a bounce back from this next player, Riley. And I'm saying, what are the odds that Alejandro Kirk bounces back and puts together another Silver Slugger season this season this year? I am probably sadly, and I I just don't like be this i listen to um my heart a lot um and I, I i give alejandro kirk way too much hate on this channel i really do this jesse burl is not one of those times i'm going to okay. say that there is a uh seven out of ten there's an actually i'll go as high as i'll say eight out of ten kirk bounces back wow i'm not saying i'm not saying that. i'm not saying you know he's gonna put up um his all-star um, year numbers in 2022, but I, I'm going to say that a bounce back is going to include a better row PS, um, in, involved in that. Maybe not as many long balls, but his on base percentage is going to be better and his, his slugging will improve because he's getting more hits. Um, I'm going to say eight out of 10 that he has a bounce back year. Maybe he's not an all-star, but I would consider it a bounce back. Um, you know, if he puts up better numbers than he did last year. Yeah, I'm finding this hard to believe, Riley. I am not. I am so out on an Alejandro Kirk being an offensive threat at all. Like, his barrel percentage went down significantly. And even in that year, Riley, where he was a silver slugger, he was an all-star, he really had six good weeks. That was it. He was kind of just met the rest of the season. And even if you look into that further, I think Alejandro Kirk had like double digits and in infield singles, which just never happens, especially for a guy that slow. So I think he way overperformed too much. And I think last year was more of the offensive player Alejandro Kirk is. And unless I see something dramatic, like he's added some muscle this offseason or something, or all of a sudden he's gotten faster. That's the only way I can see Alejandro Kirk coming into an offensive threat here. I'm out. I am out. And MLB rankings put him as the seventh best catcher in baseball this season. I'm out on that too, man. I I do not think this is going to happen. We'll give it, I guess, a two out of ten on the uh, bounce backometer. Jesse, uh, well, we uh, eight and two at least. We came to the number ten. They did <laughs> not right. have, no. and and that list. And that, I was okay with that list. I read the comments. A lot of people had you know something to say about their team's catcher and whatever else. That's all fine. Um, did Danny Jansen deserve to be on that list? Maybe yep. not. I may, hmm. maybe not. Maybe not. Do you and I think so? Absolutely. And I've said this, you know, um, if you're playing the drinking game at home, how much we, you know, crap on Kirk and how much we hype up Jansen, 
than, you know, swig another one because I'm going to say it again. I think Danny Jansen might be the most underrated player in Major League Baseball. And if Kirk doesn't bounce back, I have full faith that Danny Jansen and criminally has not been a full-time catcher in Major League Baseball, had his best season last year, and there's so much more in his game, and we're good either way. I, I, I like if you if Kirk bounces back, that's great. If not, uh, it, that stinks. But Danny Jansen um, is a big game player. And while we're at it, let's talk Danny Jansen because my next one is on him, Riley. And that is Danny Jansen will lead the Blue Jays in home runs this season. Um, what are the odds? I'm gonna say four out of ten. Okay, which seems like a high number, but let's go. Let's just you know, let's just kind of draw out a scenario. This this is meaning. This means Danny Jansen gets is an everyday player. He gets time at DH. He catches some innings. Like he has real potential to hit thirty home runs. I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but it's true, Jesse. We both know mm-hmm. that. It's statistics. Thirty home lie. runs would have led the teams last year. Yeah, that's what I'm going off of. And if yeah. and if Vladdy craps to bed, if Varsho decides that he doesn't, you know, play baseball, and and Springer doesn't have thirty in him, and I. And I doubt Bo does because a lot of those are just straight laced doubles. Um, like there's there's a non as you say there's a non zero chance that he does. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say four to ten just to be fun about it because I love Danny Jansen. And if he put up a thirty spot this year, I'd be I'd be just astounded. Uh, Danny Jansen, criminally underrated, would love to see him lead the Blue Jays in home runs, but not because we couldn't get it from the other guys. Just just because he has a monster year at the plate. I like Danny Jansen to do this because he pulls the ball and he hits it in the air, which is the Marcus Semien formula for hitting and has done well with success. I still think Vladdy's probably the favorite to lead the team in home runs. Danny Jansen's got to be top three and all it takes is one good hot streak for him to get there. I like this one more than you should think, Riley. Uh, my next one for what are the odds? Um, and that involves George Springer. And what are the odds come the end of the season? George Springer is still our leadoff hitter. I'm going to say that this is a six out of 10 and okay. baseball, baseball is, can be so formulaic sometimes. And I, I'm going to be honest, like, and I think I'm not the only one here um, who agrees that, you know, George Springer should not be our leadoff hitter. It's, 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 we're kind of playing old timey seventies, eighties and nineties baseball here. We're like, Oh, he's batted leadoff since, you know, he was in Houston. Like he's the leadoff hitter. First of all, when George Springer was the leadoff hitter for Houston, I didn't I me being, you know, an old a boomer in baseball, didn't think he had the body for as a leadoff hitter. You know, right. tall strike zone, a lankier guy. Like he's not a real compact guy. So right off the bat, 2017, 2016 George Springer, I'm like, I don't know if this guy's a leadoff hitter. Sure he was. His numbers backed it up. He's the second most powerful leadoff hitter um in in history. Mm-hmm. Ricky Henderson had because he, Ricky Henderson played from age 20 to like 42. Um, but honestly, I, I don't know how much you're going to factor in speed. We're looking at guys with good on base percentage backed up with some good slugging in the two and three hole. Like I think Bo Bichette's are, are should be our leadoff hitter statistically. I, I agree. I'm with you. I, yeah. I, 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 this is, this is kind of an old timey, like veterans, getting what they have gotten in the past kind of thing. I think that there's, 
I think there's a good chance he still hits leadoff for us. And I bet you there's going to be a handful of games in the first two months he doesn't hit leadoff. Just to switch it up. Just to see, you know, get a new recipe going for the team. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I bet you George Springer is either taking a day off or he's batting DH and hitting leadoff in, in the game, you know, that leads off the next series or whatever. But I'm going to say 6 out of 10, he is the leadoff hitter um, at the end of the year. And also, Jesse, there could be we could see a real change in spring training where he bats lead off in spring training in that first series at the trop. George Springer's in the five hole. I mean, yeah. a lot yeah. can happen, but I'm going to say based off the way John Schneider currently thinks, and I'm sure he's reflected a lot on last season. Uh, but I'm going to say um, that he will hit lead off uh, probably to start the year. And there's a decent chance that he does finish the year as our leadoff hitter as well. Yeah, there was a time in the second half last year where the Blue Jays did take George Springer out of that leadoff spot. I think it only lasted about three weeks before John Schneider was like, we're putting George back up there. Maybe it's just a comfort thing. Maybe it's what he's always done. But if we are worried about a decline from George Springer's bat, having him in the leadoff spot, getting all those at-bats might not be the best for team success either. I do think by the end of the year, Bo Bichette will be our leadoff hitter. But uh, there's also a very real world where George Springer stays a good bat and he stays there all year. Um, six out of ten sounds right, Riley. I'm going to go four out of ten that he'll end the season as our leadoff hitter. Sure. Just copy what I do. We'll just add it up to 10. One of us is the glass half full. The other is half empty. I'm fine with that. Speaking of half full. Close enough to to 50-50, Jesse, where we can see it happening or not happening. Speaking of glass half full, Riley, this is a player we've talked about who we think last episode is going to have a good offensive season. So I'm just doubling down on that. And that is Dalton Varsho, Riley. And my what are the odds for Dalton Varsho is he will break out in a big way and has a career best offensive season for Dalton Varsho this year. I'm going to say that that is a five out of 10. And I will tell you what, he will put up better numbers this year than he did in 2023. He simply has to. Yes. The laws of averages as if <laughs> yes. I don't even know like th- he might not have a you know a a significantly better batting average, but he will have a better batting average and he will put up better power numbers. Like Dalton Varsho is a very toolsy player and for a guy who I thought when he came here could hit fifth in this lineup was Basically, bottom three material throughout the entire season. I mean, it has to get better, right? I say that, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of grit my teeth afterwards, meaning like it's going to look really bad if he doesn't um, have a little bit of the upside that we saw trading away Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. By the way, as we've said before, just to bring it back, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. would have led led the Toronto Blue Jays in home runs um, yes, he when he was with the Diamondbacks. When he came off a year where I get he was hurt, put up single-digit home runs. And then, yeah, Gabriel Moreno did a thing where he didn't lead a young Diamondbacks team to the World Series, but he certainly helped them out in the postseason. Mm-hmm. He's got – that's a young player and an already great resume. And as far as what the Blue Jays got in return – I hope 2024 is very good to Varsho. I'm going to cut it right in half and say that he maybe doesn't have an offensive outburst by any means, but he puts up respectable numbers. 
I think so too. I'm banking actually really hard. I've said my case in the other episode, so you won't have to hear it here. But uh, Dalton Varsho is going to have a very big season next year that I am actually quite confident in. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Dalton Varsho and the performance he can put together next year. Riley, two more to go. And this one is about Bo Bichette, one of our better players. We've already talked last episode about how we thought Bo Bichette could get into the MVP conversation. But I want to talk about his speed, Riley, and his footwork. And what are the odds that Bo Bichette finds his foot speed again and the uh, him on the base path becomes a true weapon in his game again? What are the odds on that? I'm going to say two out of ten. I don't think I don't think Bo is is going to, you know, run the bases. I hope he runs the bases smart. First of all, say Mm -hmm. that now we're going to look at it from scoring runs. I don't think steals more than five bases. And I, I think he should be a little less aggressive on the base pass. I think, I think range as a shortstop isn't, you know, based off speed. It's a good read. It's a good first step. I mean, Cal Ripken Jr. Wasn't essentially, you know, especially fast but he could read a ball. I mean, there's a lot of good shortstops like that. Bo Bichette, uh has so much potential. As we know, he's getting better defensively. I don't think, hey, being able to track a ball versus running a ball down, two totally different things. I think he's got the necessary speed to play his position. But as far as the offensive side of the ball, uh, I think Bo hit like, what, one triple last year, whatever. He's not going to steal a ton of bases. Like, he's he's not a traditional speed guy. I think we can forget about, you know, a 2020 year uh, for Bo Bichette. It's just weird. And I've said this in the past and I'll say it again here, how a guy, especially as young as Bo Bichette, who's only 25 years old, just suddenly gets slower. I feel like that's just weird for a guy. Maybe it could be the case of the Blue Jays are telling him not to run as much because they, um, they kind of need him to run the offense there, but it's weird how a 25 year old can just run slower like that. His sprint speeds down Riley into the bottom 30% of the league and uh, coming up as a prospect for Bo Bichette. I did not think that was possible. I thought speed was always be a part of his game. So I'm with you. It's hard for a guy just to decide, Hey, I'm going to run faster without putting in a lot of intense training in the off season. So we can probably nip this in the bud pretty early in spring training. Once we see how Bo Bichette looks running the field and stuff. And if he's better then sure, it'll go well. But if not, it's probably more of the same for Bo Bichette on the base paths. I mean, Hey, speed kills. I uh, look at, speed the, kills. How, look at how the, look at how the, uh, say it again, the Diamondbacks and how they stole bases. Like the, we're not, a t- I don't think the Jays have ever been a team that has been a real threat to run mm-hmm. the bases and run the bases well, or let alone have guys at the top of the leader, leaderboard leaderboard for stealing bases. Uh, like you can forget about that. And yeah, it is weird with how Bobichet has gone on. Won't spend too much time addressing why he can or cannot run. He has, a, he has the tools that he does. Um, if anything, we could have another 50 minute episode on how the Jays should run the bases this year versus how they sure. did last year. Um, you know, aggressive is good, but I mean, we got to be sure of these things. Um, it's, it's, it's the thing we dislike about Bo Bichette's game for sure. Um, but it's there. We, we're going to get, we got a, basically a five tool player lacking a little bit of speed at a premium position. And we'll take that for everything else Bobachette does for this team. So we are not uh, not too worried about that. Riley, my last one, and we haven't talked a lot of pitchers on this episode, so I'm going to bring up a pitcher on this one. What are the odds that Chris Bassett, the hound dog, goes out and throws 200 innings pitch again this year? Uh, what are the odds? 
Ooh, I'm going to say six out of 10. And I you would so. love, I would, he's, he's like, he is the fine wine of pitchers right now in major league baseball. He came on the scene with the white Sox, pitched like four innings with them or whatever it was, went to my Oakland athletics yep. and did, he, he did well. He, uh, he, he wasn't the greatest for Oakland. He certainly wasn't their ace, but he was an innings eater, but didn't eat a ton of innings. Went to the Mets, had the best year to, to his career at that point, And, you know, landed a Blue Jay, pitched great. I mean, is he going to repeat what he did last year? Probably not. But 200, 200 innings, I'm going to say 6 out of 10. I really, I really think Chris Bassett is a great right-handed arm for Major League Baseball. I can't see him tipping the scales too much and taking a tremendous step back. Yeah, he's 34 or 33, whatever. But, um, I mean, hey, not, not a lot of signs. Um, and he just, hey, he just had a, a child as well. That, that yep. I don't congratulations to Bassett. I, I don't Bassett have family. kids, but I hear you know the age old tale. Oh, kids will keep you young. So hopefully Bassett <laughs> stays young over this offseason, can haul two hundred innings of work again. That'd be fantastic. Wise parenting advice from Riley McConnell on the show. Don't here. say so, that. That's, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Do not say that. Come to Buds and Blue Jays for the witty baseball talk and stay for some parenting advice. There you go. That's what you Dude. get here. From do us on Buds that. and Blue Jays. Um, that is, uh, that's it for my game here, Riley. You had something fun you wanted to play to bring us up here, and you kind of teased it a little early in the episode. So I'll let you take the reins here and uh, what you got. Yeah, I am a bit of I, – I, it's not it's not a long game. And actually, we were at the 53-minute mark or whatever else. Yeah. Um, I, man, there's nothing to talk about. And you and I have been going with our immaculate grids, and I've been just a baseball mm-hmm. nut on, on YouTube trying to watch videos and find videos and come up with, like, original content. And of course, like we're depends on the day we can be creative or, or we're not creative. But um, there's something you like that I could care less about that gauges how good a player is, is war or wins Correct, above yes. replacement. And War's not perfect, but it does tell a story. Yeah, it tells a story, Jesse. And you t- have told the story so far for, you know, weeks on end now with with our Toronto Blue Jays. And if you follow Buds mm-hmm. at Buds and Blue Jays for our, you know, for our Twitter handle every day, we have, you know, counting down to one day before opening day. I think today we actually had Alejandro Kirk um, on Correct. our countdown yep. uh, for our war. But uh, yeah. I'm looking at single seasons, though, Jesse, and I'm going to pick a player, and I'm going to pick a a season that they had and match them up with another player in a season that they had, and you tell me who had the higher war. I only got three rounds of this. We're just going to do a quick, have a little fun, and I'm going to be honest. These are very close. Okay, Okay? I'm ready. So, So without further ado, who had the higher war? A 2002 Eric Hinsky rookie okay, of the year. Rookie of the season, yeah. Bringing that, I'll bring that back right now. Or a 2002 Alejandro Kirk, 20 years removed, mind you. Who had the higher war? So that was Kirk's 2022 season where he was an all-star and a silver slugger. And then Eric Hinsky's rookie of the year season. I think Hinsky had 26 or so home runs that year, which would... I'd assume would probably put him higher playing defense at third base. 
The problem is with war, um, and you're using baseball reference war, I assume, right? I I am because that's it's yeah. it's easy it's easier to use. I'm sorry, I'm not as big of a baseball nerd as you, and get into the super one day, Riley. Stuff. One day, <laughs> we like man, you can't teach an old dog too many new tricks. I'm actually I'm gonna go with Alejandro Kirk here just because he is a catcher, and they do value catcher defense quite a bit in those war formulas. So I'm gonna go with Alejandro Kirk. They do value the war. Or sorry, they do value the defense of a catcher sadly it was hinsky hinsky mm. hinsky's four war against alejandro kirk's 3.9 i told you damn this they is, were close i Jesse, i made this as tough as i could you're a you're a blue jay nut so the fact that you didn't get that is fine we're gonna right. stack two two other players now a 2000 tony batista versus okay. a 2005 frank catalanato uh, if I, uh, uh, if you guys know the answer at home, please leave a comment. Or if you're on our Facebook page, leave a comment there. If you think you know the answer, we will put it up on stage. We'll give you a shout out, toss you some points for that. Um, I'm pretty sure just from doing our war list that that 2000 Tony Batista season was his 40 home run season or his 48 or whatever it was that he hit. Um, Frank Calinato was really good in 2005, but I'm going to go with Tony Batista as the oh, uh, war guy here. You're 0 for 2, Jesse. Oh, and, man. And, and, I'm Jesse, this is a, I, I did. Uh, this is a psycho quiz because uh, Frank Catalanato <laughs> 2.5 war, Tony Batista 2.4. Yeah. It I must be you, the outfield defense for Frank Catalanato that they like. I, I was not Jesse. You're a smart lad. I was making this as tough as I can. All right. Shake that off. Even if you go over three, you're still a winner in my books. Let's hit you with Thanks, one man. more. <laughs> Let's hit you with a world series champion. A okay. 1993 Devon White versus okay. a 1999 Sean Green. So now we're getting into some yeah. higher war, maybe a little yeah. higher than the guys we had before. So Sean Green, that was his gold glove silver slugger year with the team. Um, I remember Devon White, I think he had a five, 5.3-ish 5. war that season. Now the question is, do I think Sean Green had more than that? I'm over two, shot in the dark. I'm going to go Sean Green here, Riley, just because he got the awards. He got all that stuff. I love Devon White, and I love good center field defense, but uh, I'm going to go with Sean Green here. You know what? It didn't matter the first two because you're going out a winner. You got that right. 1999, Boom, baby. Sean Green, 6.4 war matched up with a Devo with a 6.3 war. 6.3 6.4, war, wow. Of course, a 6.4. I told you, I was going decimal points difference. Jesse, you know your Blue Jays. You know your baseball. I had to make this quiz as tough as I possibly could, man. I'm not going to ask you the, you know, the mon pa silly questions, man. I'm asking, I want to know, you know, how much you know. Let's crack open big baseball brain ears. And hey, one for three in a quiz made by a psychopath is pretty darn good. So I you know what? I congratulate you, and I'm sorry I put you through that, Jesse. Well, you know what they say in baseball, Riley? If you go one for three every single day, you're a Hall of Fame player. That's a so, 333 right? average. I mean, yeah, you're, like, you're hitting like Ty Cobb as far as that goes. Well, there's our round of applause for that there. Um, anything else to add, Riley? Or I think we can get out of here and call our episode for today. No, what a what a mixed bag. Our Facebook debut, I think it couldn't have gone any better. You know, a little taste of everything if you're listening to us, following us on Facebook. Um, I mean, Jesse and I have fun like this all the time. I mean, yes, we do have some more serious conversations um, when things are rolling good. But for now, we're a little loosey-goosey. 
It's the off season. Mm-hmm. Play a little bit of games. We're just, I mean, man, we're itching for baseball to come back. We hope that you join us. And um, yeah, that's all I got, man. Another another good one. Follow us on uh, on Twitter again. The uh, if if you're doing immaculate grids, the J's that come up in those are fun to use. Yeah, and uh, tag us, tag grids. us in the in the immaculate grids yes. when you do those. Yes, we want to see. Please those. do that. See if you can beat my score. I, I got my personal best in a long time. Twenty six matches my baseball number, and I used <laughs> Tony Batista on it too. That's a I, oh Even and. Better. And Troy Gloss and Scott Rowland. That's one of the Damn. best immaculate grid. I, I I sent it to you the other day. I was so yep. proud of that grid. It was an absolute classic. If I can get a, the a, if I get Scott Rowland on a grid and twenty rarity score, I mean you're doing something right. Can't remember what mm-hmm. box it was, but something that I, I caught someone sleeping on because they missed a, a Hall of Famer. So you hear that, Immaculate Grid and Baseball References. Look at all the free press we're giving you. If you want uh, more shout-outs, feel free. Come sponsor our show. We'll get it there, and we'll get that talking to you. Um, and, but that's going to do it. For one more thing, and if you're posting yep, your Immaculate ahead. Grid scores, it's okay to cheat. But don't post <laughs> it. Don't post it and pretend that you're some baseball genius. Don't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to take Luke Robitessin, who <laughs> – Guy who played in like the 1930s or whatever, played six games for the Cleveland Brown Stockings. Or, of course, my rant gets cut off. I'm not even <laughs> going to repeat what I said. I don't care. But if you're be honest, because at least if I if I look up a player for my own purpose, I don't post my score. But anyways, mm-hmm. yes, be honest on Immaculate Grid because I am too. If I post it. I didn't cheat. If I if there's a day or two where um, I didn't post it, I either did not get immaculate, got over a hundred, or I had to look a player up just for my own reference. That's why it's there, baseball reference. Well, that's good. Well, that'll do it for episode here today. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for joining us live on Twitter and live on Facebook for our Facebook live streaming debut. Our plan is to get live on other platforms as we go on. Please make sure you follow us on those platforms as well as on TikTok and Instagram at Buds and Blue Jays. You can find us there. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. We need to hit 500 subscribers so we can go live on there as well. And we are 77 days away from opening day. It'll be here sooner and quicker before you know it. Again, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. And hopefully we have some transactions news or something else to discuss then. Um, But until then, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching. Thanks, guys.